Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by my co-host, Bryson. And Jacob, we just counted down moment number 10 to moment number 6 of the worst 10 moments of the 2021 Blue Jays season. We're finishing up the list today, and we're going from number moment number 5 to moment number 1. And our podcast today starts with the Chatwood and Travis Bergen massacre on May 23rd. Here's another 3-2 pitch. And a tie ball game. He walks him, forcing home Walls. The third walk of the inning. Now they're loaded with Manuel Margot coming up. And there is ball four. The Rays are going to take the lead. So Bergen has walked Meadows and Margot. And it's 5-4 Rays. Brasso comes up with the bases still loaded. 3-0 pitch. And ball four. Brasso draws the walk. And another run is home. And a swing and a miss on the fastball. Rays win this one. And what a victory it is to extend the winning streak to 10. They score four times in the ninth inning and defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 6-4. to four. So we already mentioned in our previous episode the extra inning Grand Slam on May 21st. Um, here's another game from that season, uh, from that series. Two days later, May 23rd versus the Rays. Again, it's tied 2-2 after the fifth inning. Grishik comes up clutch in the eighth inning, the bottom of the eighth. He puts the Jays on top. 4-2. to two. Blue Jays just need three more outs. Their win expectancy is 92%. It all, you know, as all good stories start for the Blue Jays, Tyler Chatwood comes in to pitch, gives up a walk, single, ground out, single, line out. So it's two outs. Blue Jays still up by one run. The Rays got one in, but they're still clinging to a 4-3 lead. And then Chatwood walks the bases loaded. He issues another walk to load the bases. He's pulled. Travis Bergen comes in. Bergen walks three consecutive batters with the bases loaded. The game goes from four to three to six to four without a single ball in play, and the Jays lose by that score. Um, I actually wasn't watching this game live. I was just paying attention to the uh, MLB game day, and horrifying moment. I can't imagine watching this live. Just absolute disbelief at three consecutive walks with the bases loaded. A guy went from first to home on three consecutive walks. Just ridiculous. A horrible moment for the Blue Jays. And if you were trying to capture the uh, bullpen woes of the Blue Jays this season in one moment, this might be it. Well, I mean, at least somebody wasn't uh, watching it live because that was awful to watch. Like, I had people over. We're all happy. You know, games, they won the first game of the doubleheader and then just, I basically got like a, a free headache from, from the Blue Jays. And just a little joke. I, I don't like to joke too much, but for anybody that, buddy that had dogs on, in the background, probably uh, probably had to explain that we're not going for a walk. The guy on the TV just keeps saying it because the team I like is terrible. Moving on, talking about actual baseball, I don't, this was just, you talk about how bad the bullpen was, this was the, this was the epitome of it, like, this was one of two games that we're going to talk about uh, in this episode alone, of how a Blue Jay player literally won the game for the other team, and it's, it's the absolute most frustrating thing ever to see, like, to finally... To, to finally have, like, you come up clutch. Like, you're in a bad stretch of the season. The, the first two months, first really half of the season wasn't very good for the Blue Jays. You get a lead. You, you're you in the last inning. Like, remember, it's a doubleheader. So if they literally they get out of this inning, then they win the game. But to go into that and just 
like, what do you do? If you're an offensive player, you're a defensive player. It's not like you can say, oh, if I didn't make that error or if I didn't swing at that bad pitch or whatever, we would have won. No, like if you're, if your pitchers didn't just hand out free passes, then you wouldn't have won. And I don't like to blame one person on a loss often, but this is one of those situations where you got to blame the pitchers. But more importantly, you kind of also need to blame Montoyo because I don't know, like, were the rest of the bullpen guys on vacation? Like, like they were available. I don't know why he didn't make a move. And this was the thing we talked about on that episode. I think that was the last game of the, se- the series. So it was, it was definitely fresh in our minds how angry we were. And we said... It's like when your pitchers are bad, that's one thing and you can criticize them or or when any player's bad, you can criticize them. But when you have the ability to take them out at any given moment after they've uh, faced three batters or the end of an inning, like you have the the option to take them out and you don't take them out, then it's like, okay, well, at at, at what point is that also on you? Because if the pitcher's bad, yeah, that's on them, but there's only so much they can do if they clearly don't have it and the manager doesn't take them out, but... Again, this is one of those games where you should have won. You could have won. I mean, you had the lead. It's one where the bullpen just gave them, gave the other team a win. And it, it's just the, the absolute most frustrating thing, I think, to look back. And if the Blue Jays had won, or made it to at least a tiebreaker or the wild card or any type of, basically anything past game 162, we would have said, despite all these terrible things, they were able to come back and win and get into the playoffs. We are kind of having the opposite conversation. It's, we're saying all these things really did end up haunting the team. And if again, you, you mentioned they were one game out of a playoff spot. One non-blown game. One less error. One less whatever. And the whole season is completely different. So all you can say, Tyler Chatwood, uh, Dolis, Tanner Roark, these guys are not going to be here next season. TJ Zoic, I mean, I was kind of high on him, hoping he could make a name for himself it just it didn't work out for him this season a lot of these guys that really struggled early on in the season they're not going to be here next year and at least you know or at least hope that things like this do not happen again and you're going to go into 2022 with almost a bit of a vengeance saying we lost all these terrible games we're going to go in and we're going to win these games because this team has the talent to make to make it to the world series and win the world series they just got to really not have things like this happen again and it's just it was it was such a bad moment I think for the Blue Jays because they won the first game of the doubleheader but to lose the second one in such a bad fashion it's it, it almost just erased the 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 win of the first game like it just it was a brutal brutal situation yeah and uh, you know just as we thought we were kind of heading towards the end of the season because we were just talking about the Palacios misplay it turns out we're going back to the month of May when things were very ugly and I just like there's a Marvel show called What If, and it's kind of, I'll just explain it quickly. It's kind of like alternate, like, I think it's like alternate possibilities or like alternate, re- like, just things that happen differently. And, um, you know, I just, I think they could make an, a show, a What If show on the J season. And it could kind of be titled What If, Tyler Chatwood, uh, Rafael Dolis, you know, Brad Hand, all these guys. What if they weren't Blue Jays? You know, maybe the Jays would be in a playoff run right now. And I think, you know, we've gotten to that point where we can easily make a a full season of it based on what we've seen. And, uh, you know, we're going back to the Tyler Chatwood slander based off of what we saw on May 23rd. And, I mean, you feel like a rerun talking about it because we've talked about it so many times early on in the year. And now we're kind of back to that point. And obviously it gives me bad memories. I think it gives us all bad memories. And, uh, 
it's haunting, right? So especially with Halloween coming up, Tyler Chatwood, definitely one of the people who are, are a Jays haunt, or maybe he's the Michael Myers of the Jays. I'm not sure, but uh, for Tyler Chatwood, just uh, another situation after another situation where things fell apart for him. And of course, for Travis Bergen, who came in after and did the exact same thing by walking home, you know, runners like it was no tomorrow. So, I mean, it just at that point, too, in May 23rd, you were kind of we were kind of getting used to it in terms of the bullpen blowing games, too, because obviously Chatwood had a good start to the season. That's why a lot of people were kind of optimistic. Right. And then all the, he kind of fell off of a cliff uh, for no apparent reason. And then, but this was the, kind of the point we were kind of all getting used to this. And that's why I don't. I think at the time when this happened, I wasn't as mad as earlier on in the season because we saw it already so many times, and we saw it already lots of other times after afterward. We just didn't know that yet, and that's why I mean, at the time, I really didn't really I didn't really have much to say. I know there was, and I think pretty much every time, and Jacob kind of touched on it a bit. Every time there was a bullpen miscue or you know a game where the bullpen blew the game, uh, it went back to Charlie Montoyo in some sort of fashion. Now. At the time of May 23rd, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I can't really remember, um, you know, if people were on resting, because I remember, Jacob, you were saying, like, where was the other bullpen? Were they on vacation? Like, it's hard for me to remember, you know, who pitched the day prior, unless you actually go back on the box score, and what was, you know, Montoyo's reasoning for that game. So, I mean, I think you got to take that into account, too. Maybe people were pitching the night before, and he didn't want to use them on back-to-back days, especially in, you know, in late May. It's kind of early on in the season, but... Either way, I think at the time, too, those were your only guys left in that situation, which made it sad because when you look at it, now you're like, these were your guys in late in, late in the game. And, you know, at the time, they were your guys. So I still don't play Montoyo, even though I don't remember kind of, you know, the situation of the bullpen at the time. But it's kind of something we touched on all year in terms of how, you know, he got a lot of slander and, you know, he was kind of the scapegoat for the bullpen at a lot of times. And then uh, near the end, I think Tyler Chatwood definitely got a lot of hate for it. And um, that's, you know, another reason why he didn't last on this team going into the summer. So just lots of things that could have happened on that day alone. And, um, you know, I just to me at that point, too, it just wasn't surprising at all to see this happen. And we also have to remember that Tyler Chatwood wasn't always horrible. Like he was one of the Blue Jays best relievers for the first month, month and a half of the season before it all went south. So, um, you know, it, we can criticize Montoya all we want, and people did, and we did at the time, but Chatwood was good at one point in time. He wasn't always horrible. He he could find the strike zone at one point in time. So, you know, you can look back on this move and criticize it, and we will, and we did. But moving on to moment number four, speaking of Tyler Chatwood, this is another Tyler Chatwood moment. How about this? Three straight walks by Tyler Chatwood and the bases are loaded Ahmed Rosario the batter one for three an RBI single ball four it's a tie game four straight walks in the inning and finally Charlie Montoyo waves to the bullpen the winning run is in third with only one out Anthony Castro He's had six inherited runners on the year. He's only allowed one to score. Jose Ramirez batting left-handed. Right field. Caught. Here comes Zimmer. And the Indians will walk it off. Ball game for the Indians on a walk-off sacrifice fly to right. So the Indians stun the Blue Jays and win the game with two in the seventh without the benefit of a base hit. This one is from May 30th, so again, the same stretch of games. Seems like half this list is from the same 10 games 
Um, this is against Cleveland on May 30th. The Blue Jays lose two to Boston. They're swept in four by Tampa Bay. They take two of three from the Yankees, so things turn around a little bit, and that's the series we were talking about with the Ross Stripling um, blow up, or oh, excuse me, the stripping. Some of those moments were later, but um, this is a moment we were talking about. Cursed stretch of games. They take two of three from New York. They take the first two from Cleveland. They're on the verge of sweeping Cleveland. It's the final game against Cleveland and doubleheader. I think it was Sunday because we all remember the horrible conditions in Cleveland that the Blue Jays played through, and they should not have played through. Um, the Blue Jays were up four zero with two innings left. It's a sixth inning of a seven inning doubleheader. Mats is a starter. He gets into some trouble. Um, and then, as all good stories start, is Tyler Chatwood who comes in, gives up a pair of inherited runners to tie the game 4-4, but he stays in the game, he finishes the inning, and it's not a problem because Marcus Simeon makes it 5-4 in the top of the seventh. Blue Jays need three outs to win this one. Tyler Chatwood comes back out for the bottom of the seventh. He gets a fly ball, so one out, two outs away from winning the game, and then he walks four guys in a row to walk in the game tying run makes it four uh, excuse me five five for the Blue Jays and Cleveland finally after four consecutive walks he's pulled for Anthony Castro who gives up a sack fly walk off to Cleveland and Cleveland wins the game um most frustrating part of this game and it was one of the moments where we really went in on Charlie Montoyo but it was not just the slow hook from Montoyo and keeping um you know, keeping Chatwood in the game for so long, but it was how no one was warming in the bullpen. Even after the first walk, even after the second walk, even after the third walk, it seemed like no one was up in the bullpen. It was only at the last minute that Anthony Castro got up. So that's kind of the big mistake, the glaring mistake for Montoya here, but just a very painful moment in the season. And uh, I think one of the moments when all of us collectively, our brains just exploded. Well, not just our brains. I think our just... Our, our sense of, of logic just went out the window too because it's like at some point it, it gets a little funny. It's almost as if you're playing the show with like the opponent on or excuse me, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it wasn't even the opponent was excessively good. It's just your guy just messed up completely. I don't know. Maybe I guess you give the controller to like your, your, your two-year-old cousin and he doesn't know how to play. But this was just uh, another one where you look back and you say, First of all, how the heck did this happen to the Blue Jays, and why are these happening? But more importantly, why is Tyler Chatwood just falling off completely? Like, is it the sticky stuff? I don't know. I mean, at this point in the year, we were starting to see a little bit of of controversy, and and you know, we're gonna start looking into guys and see if they're doing it or using it. And I'm not saying that anyone used it. All I'm saying is, after it was noted that it was gonna be looked into, some guys started to fall off, and. We can read into that what we want. I mean, I'm I, I'm no reporter. I don't have any inside information, but that's all I will say there. And again, the thing is, is so the the winning run technically was charged to Chatwood, but it was hit off of Anthony Castro, and I don't blame him at all because like, what's he supposed to do in that situation? That's not his fault. It's if if he had came in maybe two or three batters prior, or even just one batter prior, then you can say, okay, what's going on? However, this was just solely one of those situations where Charlie Montoyo needed to make a better decision as a manager. He needed to take Tyler Chatwood, a guy who clearly did not have it out of that game. It's just, again, it was one of those things. Like, I don't blame Montoyo for a lot of things, but when 
a guy clearly does not have it and you desperately need wins, you, you got to take him out. Like, there's just, there's no excuse for it at this point. And again, you know, I mentioned that this is just one of, one of many games where the bullpen just gave, gave a game to the other team and you can't be having those. And I guess Chatwood's not here next season, so we don't need to worry about that. But again, it's, like to to do all these types of things within the same week, it's like okay, this is a bit ridiculous. And perhaps you know maybe if Simber was acquired a couple weeks earlier, a couple you know something like that, maybe you wouldn't have had these types of situations. But at least you know I said this two or three times already, but at least you can rest assured knowing that these guys will not be back next season, and we won't have to worry about this next year because these were so easily some of the worst moments of the season for me. And like you, you talk about. The, the things that the Blue Jays could have controlled, like if you make an error or you, know, you, you strike out when you should have driven in a run, like those are bad. But to see your offense have zero control over this and just to see a pitcher be trusted with a game and, and just it, it doesn't work, those I think are the, the easily the most frustrating things. And again, it was one of those things that had it have gone a little bit differently, maybe the season was had a different trajectory, but... It's just you almost lose you lose words almost or you're lost for words at this point because it's like what do you say Chatwood was good and then he just completely fell off like his ERA went from half of a run to 27 runs in in like a stretch of a game like it just I don't think we can undermine how impactful things like this were for the Blue Jays because it 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 did end up resulting in in just the absolute worst case scenarios in in far too many of these situations yeah I mean for Tyler Chatwood I mean this was near the end for him as well this was the series in Cleveland where kind of you know just ended on a just ended bad and that's what we've been saying pretty much all episode just going back through these uh situations when it happened and yeah I think um this was I believe this was one of the times where actually at least a couple of us I don't know if it was all three of us I can't remember again this was from May 30th but uh, a couple of us did actually blame Montoyo for this one and um, I think I was one of them because I do remember it a bit and it was only the reason why nobody was if nobody was warming up and that was the last point you made Mark before you handed things off to Jacob so I guess I can still stand by that why was nobody warming up and um, it just question we'll never get the answer to and um, that's okay I think we've all come to to peace of what happened that day because there were so many times pretty much of where this happened so this was the end of it pretty much for Chatwood and uh, yeah I, I pretty much gave equal blame for Chatwood and uh, Montoyo from what I remember uh, on this game alone because this was the Cleveland game and this was the um, yeah the weekend where it kind of started off in bad conditions and on a side note this is kind of off topic but this is kind of I believe this is the series too where Hunjin Ryu began to decline a little bit because I do remember he had the start in the bad conditions. I remember we all spoke about it. Was this maybe the weather, or were you going to look anything into this? And who would have we, what would have we known back then if that was the actually kind of the start of the fall off for him? So that's kind of an important date that I'll look on uh, from the season as well. Not really because of the um, the Chatwood situation, because of the the Ryu thing. But yeah, I mean. Just uh, pretty much the same story for the, the bullpen. Jacob pretty much covered it all. And uh, thank God uh, we are no longer going to be having Chatwood moments. And the one thing I will say, because I think this is the last time we were mentioning Chatwood on this episode, because I'm looking at the other three moments ahead of it. He did have a Chatwood moment with the Giants. So he did blow the <laughs> one game for the Giants. And hey, if the Dodgers ended up winning the NL West, if 
it could have been Tyler Chatwood's fault that the, the Giants didn't win that division. But uh, obviously, it didn't matter. I just thought it was kind of funny how Chatwood quickly found, well, not quickly, but he was DFA'd, went through waivers and everything. He found a home in San Francisco for about maybe a week, and then he lasted one game, and that was the end of it for him. So I do find that kind of funny, and we'll see where... Tyler Chatwood goes next. Perhaps next year, too. He may be in the KBO. He may be in Japan. He may be all over the place, but he could also be back in the MLB. And um, the one thing for sure is he will not be a giant or he will not be a Blue Jay. Famous last words. (laughs) After all this, just watch. Just watch Ross Atkins bring him back on a minor league deal. Blue Jays call him up at the end of spring training. I can see it happening. There are crazier things that have happened. Um yeah, from what I remember from that Ryu start, again, kind of off topic, he gave up two runs in the first inning, and everyone was just blaming it on the the weather and stuff. And then he did settle down for the rest of the game, but that was kind of the beginning of the downfall. And then, you know, he has that start. I think next time out for him, it was against Houston, and he gives up like seven runs in the first inning, and that was when it really started to go downhill. But okay, moving on to moment number three. This is a George Springer injury in Seattle. Yunjin Ryu back out there, bottom seven. Drives the ball to center field. And it's off the wall. Springer is down. France is on his way to third. And will be in there. And the concern will be with George Springer. Now he got to the wall. He knew he was going to have to jump. And then he was in a very vulnerable position. Looks like it's his leg. What an effort by Springer. And then you see him grabbing his ankle immediately when he came to the ground. That's not good news at all. So Blue Jays take a road trip to Seattle right after the Angels series that everyone, you know, they split it 2-2, but it was a little bit of a disappointment, especially coming off that strong homestand. Um, To make matters worse, the Blue Jays lost the first game of this series on a walk-off walk, which we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Um, The next day, August 14th, there's a ball hit to deep right center field. Springer goes back to the wall, tries to catch it at the wall. Um, instead, his ankle slash knee gets tangled and he collapses at the wall. He's helped off the field. It looked really bad in the moment. He's kind of kneeling there at the warning track and he can't get up by himself. And it takes a couple minutes for him to get, you know, hobble off the field, helped by the Blue Jays trainer and Montoyo. Um In the end, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. He misses about 15 games and comes back. Obviously, he's rushed back. He was never entirely healthy. And it shows in uh, his next 21 games, he hit uh, 157. He heats up again a little bit at the end of the season. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, like a lot of these moments we can laugh at. We can laugh at the Tyler Chatwood blowing a game. We can laugh at, as we're going to get to, Brad Hand walking in the winning run. We can laugh at those games, those games in kind of a sick kind of way um, at the end of the season. But this moment, this was a brutal moment. And it really cost the Blue Jays. It was, as much as we can talk about those one-game losses, I think if we're trying to attribute one thing, one real factor for the Blue Jays not making the postseason, it's this George Springer injury. Imagine what they could have done if they had 15 more games out of George Springer and Springer was actually himself hitting as he was when he went on the injured list. For the rest of the season. Um, The result of the season I think would have been a lot different. So this is. Although we did put it number three on the list. And the the number two and one moments. Were requested a lot more by our listeners. I think this moment. For me is number one on the list. It was the worst moment of the season. Yeah probably. I At this point. Like at that point. Like it was. 
mid to end of August or early, like it was August and the Blue Jays had just had that fantastic homestand, which we'll get into uh, the, the aftermath of that. But I think this is when the playoffs hope tr- hopes truly started to die because at this point, like you had Springer back, he was heating up and just like two series ago, he hit that walk off or that go ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth against the Red Sox against his, his college teammate, Matt Barnes. So, great moment for Springer and he's finally been heating up after really missing so much of the season and he came back about the the time when the Blue Jays were in Miami like a couple weeks after they got Adam Simber Uh, I don't know why I just pieced those two together but basically it was around that time took him about a month to heat up or to get back into season form he gets there Blue Jays are somewhat on a run like obviously we knew the playoffs were a long shot but our ears were still a little bit perked we kind of expected them to be a little interesting like not definitely they definitely weren't going down without a fight and then to see this it was like okay playoff hopes are are probably done and it was weird because this was it was a situation where we were kind of given mixed signals it, it wasn't Springer's going to be out this long or, or whatever Montoyo said he'll be out and you know we'll see when he comes back and so we all kind of wrote him off for the rest of the season and just expected you know get healthy and come back in 2022 but he did come back you know, it, maybe it was too little too late. I mean, it did take him a long time to get, uh, really get back into season form. And his average was up around the 280s or the 270s when he came back. And then it dipped all the way down to in the 230s. Like it just, he was hitting under 100, under probably under or around the 100s. I, I don't remember exactly, but it just took him so long to finally get back into season form. And really in, in that crucial Rays series, Maybe it could have been a little bit different if he was, you know, your leadoff hitter was was one of your premier hitters. And I'm not going to say that Springer was the only reason they lost that series. But the point is, is it was just, it was brutal to to have your team go on a run and then basically just get stopped in a tra- its tracks. It's like you were excited, you're, you're expecting a run, and then it's like, okay, well, we're actually going to, you know, the baseball gods take away that that one thing that you kind of needed to go on a run and really, you know, I talked, I don't remember when it was, but I said it, I think it was maybe in the mid-season awards or whatever. I said that it was at that point, it'd been a disastrous series or season so far for George Springer. And that's not necessarily his fault. Like, obviously you can't predict injuries, but to, to have a guy that you expected really play every single day, not play, you know, he played around half the season. It just, it's, it wasn't the, the, opening season that you kind of expected from Springer and I don't blame him at all you don't expect these injuries you don't predict them and to some extent I think the Blue Jays rushed him but it just it was it was one of those things where it was so late in the season where you almost didn't have enough time to to rebound because it took he was out for a couple weeks he came back it took him a couple weeks to rebound and at that point you were saying okay well you either got to sweep Baltimore you got to maybe sweep New York you got to do all these things and it just at that point I think it was too little too late and it's just the, the Blue Jays were stopped in their tracks especially after losing the day before it was like okay now what like do we just watch the season and have fun watching it but not really have much expectations like I, I don't know and uh, you can just you, you hope that you know maybe the Blue Jays making the playoffs can give Springer a bit of time to finally get back healthy and like I know he was he took the knee brace off towards the end of the year and he was semi fully healthy I I don't even I don't think he was fully healthy at all this season but hopefully going into next season he's able to use this offseason to re to really get fully healthy and 
I will say this. If he gets any type of injury next season, whether it's spring training or middle of the season or any at any point in 2022, the Blue Jays are going to be ridiculously cautious, and they should because you're paying a guy $25 million plus to, to play for you, and the last thing you need is another season where he just he, he's plagued by injuries because he is one of the premier hitters in in all of baseball and especially once you get to October look what he you, know, you talk about the Astros and how they cheated but he was still one of their best hitters for a reason and all you can hope is that things like this do not carry into 2022 yeah and just a quick note like whether he was healthy or not he did find a way to play through the injury in the last couple of games of the season the last eight games he had uh, 17 hits and 13 RBI, good for a 500 average, and it took his average for the last part of the season from 157, which I mentioned earlier, in 21 games after that injury, to something like 260. So he really did turn it around, whether he actually was healthy or just figured out how to play through it. But um, those last few games were important for the Blue Jays. And on top of that, he started hitting better when he returned to center field. So there was a massive kind of difference in splits when he was a DH, even earlier back when he first came back to when he was a center field. And for some reason, he just never hit well or played well in, as a DH. Maybe he was just never in rhythm or whatnot. But, you know, you knew that he was like, well, actually at the time when the injury happened, none of us really knew what was going to happen. And then it turned out, you know, it seemed better than what we initially thought, but then the next day there was an MRI and it turns out it wasn't the ankle like we all imagined it would have been. It was the knee and then that pretty much caused problems for him, trouble running. And yeah, you saw he came back with a bulky knee brace where he couldn't even, you know, you just, you can see it, right? And, you know, he couldn't run. He couldn't really do much. Every time he was swinging, he was kind of collapsing on one knee. There was the series I remember in particular in New York when he kind of collapsed and he just you know, I think he took the rest of the series pretty much off, and then he returned later that week, and I believe that was the Baltimore series, and that, that was when he had the first kind of clutch moment since coming back from that initial injury. But yeah, just it's crazy how the game completely just turmoiled from when he went down in Seattle. I mean, the next inning, it just absolutely fell apart, no matter what it was. Um, just nothing went their way, and you can really feel the impact that he had on the team and pretty much the effect and the change you can the, the change of momentum initially and you obviously don't want injuries to happen like what you were mentioning Jacob but Seattle pretty much completely came out different and completely took the game away uh from the Jays so that's really what you kind of gave it a really bad signal that this may be the end of the year and then from on top of it I remember I was saying I don't think Springer will be back in center field whatsoever uh, for the rest of the year when he does come back. Because we did know at this time, this especially this situation, we knew if he was going to come back and when he did play again, he was going to rush things back and he was never going to be healthy um, pretty much 100% for the rest of the year. So at least we were kind of prepared for this one compared to the initial one back in May when he came back. And we we knew he rushed it after he re-aggravated the, um, his injury. But for this one, we knew uh, that he was going to come back at, what, 60%, 70%? And um, he was struggling. You give him credit for battling through the you know the amount of times he did and near the end of the year he caught fire at the right time he got healthy he returned to center field the knee brace went off that's what you were saying Jacob and um you know he was a difference maker and he was a reason why the Jays got very close to the playoffs and you just imagine what a full season would be like with Springer healthy and hopefully we do see that uh in 2022 for sure all right on to moment number two we're almost at the end of our list this is as I just referred to the day before the George Springer injury this is when Brad Hand walked in the winning run in Seattle. 3-0 pitch from Brad Hand. Ball four. He walked him. And the Mariners win it 3-2. Bases loaded walk. Jared Kelvick walks it off. So 
as I mentioned, a lot of our submissions, we got pretty much resounding submissions for number one on our list. Number two, this was also pretty close. as mentioned a lot. Not just this moment with Brad Hand walking in the mid winning run, but also just Brad Hand in general. A lot of people said the Brad Hand trade, um, just getting Brad Hand, any moment Brad Hand was involved in. Um, but this was kind of the most egregious, egregious examples of what Brad Hand did for the Blue Jays. Again, you're coming off that Angels series. You're going into Seattle. Blue Jays are down 2-0 in this game on August 13th. They come back to make it 2-2. Adam Simber, who is normally very reliable, comes in to pitch bottom nine. He gets a first two outs of the inning, no problem. And then it kind of goes downhill from there. Disaster starts to set in. He gives up a walk, a walk, and a single to load the bases. Then comes, uh, you know, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, Brad Hand. He comes into the game. Bases loaded, two outs, needs one out to win the game, or to... uh, Send the game to extra innings for the Blue Jays. He issues a four-pitch walk to Jared Kelenic, and the Blue Jays lose the game 3-2 on a walk-off walk. Just absolutely brutal. And, um, you know, there are moments worse than this in the series, in the season. I think the the Chatwood version moment is a little bit worse if you're just looking at the numbers with the amount of walks that were issued. Three straight walks with the bases loaded. But to lose a game on a walk-off when you just need to throw one single strike like, I don't care what you do. I don't care if Kelnick hits a grand slam off you in that moment. And I said that at the time. I don't care if he hits a grand slam. I don't care if he hits a walk-off inside the park home run or something brutal like that. Um, just throw a strike. Like, the worst that happens is that you lose the game with the strike you throw instead of losing the game on a walk. So, it was just a brutal moment for the Blue Jays. Definitely one of those moments that's up there. And something that, you know, this was a Seattle series from hell. And it just continued the next day with the Springer injury, but this moment was definitely horrible. But again, it's something that we can kind of look back at and laugh at because it was just one game. It wasn't something like George Springer's health that really impacted the season significantly, even though if they did win this one game, they wouldn't have been in the position they were at the end of the season. Take this in. The Blue Jays basically traded Riley Adams for a couple losses, like at the trade deadline. And it's just, oh man, to, I mean, credit to you for mentioning Adam Simber too. Like he did not have as good of a finish to his outing as he expected. And he obviously got those two outs. And there was that one play where the ball, I think was like just over his head and whoever it went to, Simeon or Bichette, wasn't really able to get to it because it was kind of a slow roller at that point. Basically the the odds were not in the Blue Jays' favor with Simber, and there was only one of his maybe two or three rough outings all season long. But then Brad Hand comes in, and you just, you, all, this is, I don't want to echo too much what you said, but you, you need one strike. Like, you were being paid a lot of money to throw strikes, and I understand underperformances can happen, but you're facing one batter. You need one strike. Like, worst case, you throw a fastball down the middle, and I don't know. Best case, he pops it up, but worst case, he hits it and you lose the game. At least you can still blame Brad Hand for that because you can say, well, come on, why don't you like not give up a hit? But at the same time, I wouldn't blame him as much because as we mentioned with Anthony Castro earlier on in the year, I don't blame him for that Cleveland game. So you can, I can stomach a walk-off hit more than I can stomach a walk-off walk. And it's things you hate to see. I think Casey Lawrence did it one time in... 2017 for the Blue Jays and even I think it was Brian Moran but I don't really blame him in in 2020 because he came in with like a 3-2 count because a guy got injured but 
walks to score runs, especially runs that end the game, are just the absolute most frustrating things, I think, as a baseball fan. And had, uh, you know what, I'm not going to say that. I've said had this not have happened, the Blue Jays could have made the playoffs far too many times. Blue Jays shouldn't have had that mistake. Brad Hand should have not been in that situation. Maybe you trust Adam Simber to get out of it. I don't know. I mean, to some degree, you know, you can't criticize Montoyo for taking him out, but then also criticize him for not taking Chatwood out, like, early on in the season. Like, I'm trying to draw a little bit of comparisons, so I understand taking him out, just not Brad Hand, like, just literally anybody else. Like, worst case, you put, uh, he wasn't, I was going to say panic, but he wasn't on the team. Like, worst case, you put Guriel in, like, literally anybody else. And I don't advocate for position players pitching, but anybody other than Brad Hand, I think could have gotten you one strike or just one batter, really. Like, that's all you needed. And it, there were two outs, too. Like, that's the thing. It's not like he's coming into a huge jam. Like, you just need an out or a run. Like, that could be the one batter that you face. So, just an awful scene. And it was, again, it was... I'm going to mention this later, but that road trip, worst road trip of the season and probably the most gut-wrenching part of the season. And it was capped off. Well, not even capped off because it wasn't over at that point, but... It, it, it just that entire road trip was just a downhill spiral of just salt on the wound after salt on the wound because Blue Jays ended up suffering I think because of of games like this remember when Brad Hand was good and he led the league in saves in 2020 and he was a reliable reliever um I, I don't know what happened to him in the course of an offseason because or even just him in a Blue Jays uniform in general because obviously the numbers for him this year uh, weren't the greatest and weren't what Brad Hand numbers are were usually like in terms of the last few years that he's had because he had a really good stretch in Cleveland near the end as well. And, you know, when he came to I think he finished uh, with the Nationals a 359 ERA. So, again, not the greatest, uh, but they were decent numbers. For the Jays, we all know, I don't know what the heck happened with him in a Jays uniform, a 727 ERA. But then he goes to the Mets and he actually finishes it off pretty good, a 270 ERA and 16 appearances. So, Maybe he's got a vendetta with Canada. I, I I don't know what it, what it was, but something happened. And yeah, I just especially at the during that time, that was also when Adam Simber had the the cold stretch, like that that kind of week where he was kind of cold and he just wasn't sharp. And uh, maybe it was just kind of jitters for him being in his hometown or whatnot. But you know, they had no choice but to go to Brad Hand in that situation. And I guess um, well, he they they did have a choice, but they decided to roll with Brad Hand, who they traded for. And you'd figure that you're going to trade for a reliever at the deadline. Well, guess what? He's pitching late in games, and that's exactly what they tried to do early on, and they kind of forced it at a certain point because of how bad he was, and um, that's exactly what happened. He came in, and we all know what happened from there, but it's just crazy to, to for me also, looking at the honorable mentions list that we have, you know, a lot of these are all about Brad Hand, and he had a, a very you know great moment, too, in Washington, kind of blowing the game in that too and you know against a former team and seeing Riley Adams hit against the Jays as well just what a horrible feeling uh, that was but yeah getting Brad Hand and pretty much that yeah that series alone Jacob what you were saying one of the worst ones of the year for sure and it started off bad with that we know the Springer thing happened the next day and then from there you're just you kind of had a feeling that or we talk about this too this could have been the end of their playoff chances at the time and we all kind of thought that this was going to happen, but I just don't understand how you you issue a four-pitch walk or a walk-off walk. Like, four pitches, just ball, 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 ball. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me as a major league pitcher how that that happens and how you let your, how you let that happen, especially if you're on the mound in that moment. But obviously, it looks harder than, um, well, it's harder than it looks, but either way, 
I just I I don't know what else to say about Brad Hand. I I don't know what happens to him next year <laughs> or what the future holds for him. But Mark, you know what I said about uh, Tyler Chatwood? I can guarantee this: Brad Hand will not be a Blue Jay. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, if it was a three-two count, whatever. Like it. I understand. I guess you know the batter's working the count. You're working the count. You're trying to set up pitches. You maybe overcook a slider or something like that. It was four pitches. You couldn't throw a single strike. Yeah, just ridiculous. Okay, before we get to our number one moment, we do have our honorable mentions, so we're going to go around the horn. Bryson, let's have you start this one off. What is your honorable mention that didn't make the top 10, but personally for you was one of the worst moments of 2021? Well, you knew me last week, how I went off the board with my pick, and I see his name in the honorable mentions list, so... Why not go with the diesel truck? His start against the Rangers. His blow-up start against the Rangers where we had no confidence of him being a starter in this rotation. None of us, I don't think one Blue Jays fan wanted him to be on this roster on opening day as much as we felt like he had to be there. Look at the money he was making and he lasted one start. Tanner Roark, the diesel truck against the Texas Rangers is my honorable mention for pretty much worst moments of the year. Uh, Just... What an honor watching that guy pitch. I mean, we only got to see him for one start, and after that, it was done for him. I think he went to Atlanta. He was in the system. I think he was made a couple of appearances for the Braves. Don't know how he did. He's not on the playoff roster, so can't imagine it went that well for him. But I have to stick with my guy, Tanner Rourke, after going off the board last week with Tanner Rourke as well. All right, so you guys uh, picked one moment. I kind of have an encapsulation of multiple moments, but I'll just quickly mention it. After a 9-2 and homestand, capped off by George Springer's three-run home run against the Red Sox, and Jose Brios' Blue Jay debut, the return to Rogers Center, basically like the all-time high, the Christmas day of any Blue Jay fan's life. The Blue Jays go on the road to face the Angels, the Mariners, and the Nationals, teams that they all should beat, and they go 3-7, and seven, capped off by a walk-off walk, a Springer injury, a Brios rough start, and, and it just, this I think, was probably, you know, it went from an all-time high to an all-time low, where basically at this point in the standings, it's like, okay, now what? Like, you lose Springer, you lose, you, you, you understand who you can't trust. Basically, it seemed as if this everything that happened in the, the basically the all-time high was, like, amazing, and then that road trip kind of reversed it. It was almost as if that 9-2 and two road trip or homestand didn't happen. And basically, the Blue Jays needed to have the best stretch of probably their franchise history in order to make the playoffs, which to some degree they had, didn't end up making the playoffs. And oh, man, that just it was the, it was the most frustrating thing, too, especially because most of these games were West Coast games. So, like, you stay up all all night waiting for it. And then it was like, man, I could have just gone to bed and not wasted my time watching this. But Basically, what I'm saying is this was the absolute most frustrating homestand, especially considering all the amazing things that happened literally days prior to it. That was the worst part of it. It was on the West Coast. <laughs> like, we were all staying up to 1 a.m. to watch Brad Hand give up a walk-off walk, to watch George Springer get injured and miss 15 games, to watch Jose Barrios crap the bed and uh, have a horrible start. So, that... Bryson saying in the chat that you love West Coast games. No, you're wrong. West Coast <laughs> games suck. They're the bane of my existence. They're horrible. Horrible, horrible. They screw up my sleep schedule for weeks. <laughs> I hate them. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was horrible games, including the fact that the Blue Jays were on the West Coast. But yeah, my honorable mention, I alluded to it, I think, when we were talking about Ross Stripling, but it's Ross Stripling, um, his outing where he gave up eight runs, only recorded one out against the Boston Red Sox. This is a little personal vendetta of mine because I drove eight hours to Buffalo to see this game in person (laughs) against the Red Sox with Ross Stripling on the mound. It was a lot of fun to be there and go on a little road trip and see this game and see the Blue Jays in Buffalo and see Major League Baseball in Buffalo, which is obviously, I guess not obviously, there's a potential it happens again, but it's almost certainly not going to happen again in our lifetime. Um, And then Ross Stripling, literally the first moments of the game, he gives up, I think it's a single and a home run, maybe it was a double and a home run. He gets an out and then he proceeds to give up a grand slam. So it is 6-0 by the time he leads the game. Um, and it's literally like, this is like 15 minutes into the ball game. And it, the Blue Jays are already losing 6-0. I think it's Trent Thornton comes in and gives up another pair of runs. Blue Jays are down 8-0. They never come back. They go on to lose 12-4. to um, And it just took the, the lifeblood out of everything. Um, and, you know, it was a fun night. It was a fun time to be in the ballpark and experience Buffalo. But... It was just horrible. And then adding insult to injury, like I mentioned, the Red Sox fans there. Um, There was more Red Sox fans and Blue Jays fans. There was obviously more people cheering for the Red Sox because there wasn't much to cheer for for the Blue Jays. So just a brutal game, brutal moment to to be there for, but definitely one that I'm going to remember. Okay, so now it's time for the number one moment of the season. I think everyone can predict what this is. Harold Castro hitting for Dustin Garneau. Now the 2-2. Ground ball to second. Semyon takes care of it. Oh, and then Guerrero couldn't come up with it. It was in the dirt, and we're tied. The Toronto defense lets them down. Tigers are still alive. It's 2-2. And this time he bounces it and gave Vladdy a tough short hop. Takes a lot of time, throws it in the dirt, and it gets away from Vladdy. To Marcus Simeon's air versus the Tigers. Um... This was probably 80 or 85% of the responses we got from listeners. We all know the story of this one. It's something that I feel like we're going to be on our deathbeds and recounting the 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 account of this game. Um, the Blue Jays up 2-1, to one, top 9. They're one out away from winning it. Um, it's an easy ground ball to Marcus Simeon. He's probably 15 feet away from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first. He fields the ball cleanly, and for some reason, he just spikes the ball into the dirt. Um, and uh, Vladdy can't field it. The base runner that was on from a double comes around to score. The game's tied 2-2. Um, it stays that way. Brad Hand, of all people, comes in in top 10. He actually doesn't do bad. He gives up the inherited runner on second base, um, which you know wasn't really his fault. I think he didn't give up a hit in that inning. It was just, um, you know, the Tigers manufacturing run with runner on second. Um, the Jays score bottom 10 to tie at 3-3, but then the 11th, it always comes apart. The Tigers score two. Jays don't. They lose 5-3. Um, I don't think we would be talking as much about this game as we do if it didn't directly lead to a loss. Um, you know, with all these other games and blown leads that we've talked about, there's other factors that you can talk about, right? It's not so cut and dry as this game was. If Marcus Simeon doesn't spike that ball in the dirt, the Blue Jays win this game. The Blue Jays have a tiebreaker game 163. There's no other what-ifs. It's not a what-if the Blue Jays scored these extra runs, although, I mean, technically you can say the Blue Jays should have scored more in extras. They could have walked it off. But if Marcus Simeon makes that throw, 
it's game over. It's a win for the Blue Jays. So, um, yeah, just a all-time low for the Blue Jays with this game. But kudos. I want to give a shout-out to Tyler Saucedo in this moment because he was on the mound in the top of the ninth when that error happened. And um, if you remember, he Marcus Simeon makes that error. And, you know, Saucedo is a rookie. Like, he's not someone who's been around. Compared to Marcus Simeon, who's been around the block for quite a while, he's been um, a veteran in the majors. He was a veteran on this team. And Saucedo just... He kind of rolls with the punches. I think if I remember correctly, he kind of just looks at Simeon. He kind of, you know, it's all right. Like, we're going to get out of this. So just kudos to Saucedo in an all-time horrible moment for the Blue Jays this season. He kind of kept it together and didn't show his emotion on the mound. He had the mindset of a veteran and just kind of worked through it and stuck with his team. And kudos to him. But overall, this moment, horrible moment this season. And everyone had it as the number one worst moment of the year. Yeah, and it it couldn't have been a worse thing to happen to such a good guy like Marcus Simeon probably is going to get 30 million dollars or more this season was an all-star could be a gold glover he played every single game this season and to be honest I just absolutely hate that we have to talk about this because it's it's like it was this was one of the best second baseman seasons that we've ever seen from a Blue Jay and really from anybody in, in Major League Baseball and to to have this be the way that I think it it kind of ended the season, or it didn't technically end it, but to to have this be like the last thing that we discuss, it just it it does hurt, and I think because Marcus Simeon had such a fantastic season, and all you can hope is that I don't I don't even know what to say because like I was gonna say something, but like I, it, like what do you say? Like Simeon, it's it's an easy throw, it's one that he's probably made a million times before. I think he had. At nine ninety eight or ninety nine fielding percentage going into this season, and then even this season, only a couple of errors. It's just the absolute worst thing that I think could have happened. And to be honest, I didn't even know that it happened. Like I had to leave somewhere in the ninth inning, and so I was driving for me like maybe even like five minutes. But then I get home or, or I get to the place, I check my phone. I was like, oh wait, like I completely forgot. I I, I forgot the score. I was like, oh the game's still playing. It's it's tied and. You guys were saying, oh, it should have should have been over, and I didn't understand it until I watched Blue Jays in thirty, and then I'm just I, I'm just thinking, like, damn, like how how did this happen? It's just it the absolute worst, most gut wrenching thing ever. And you mentioned Taylor Saucedo, that was good. Like, I think he even did like a little clap, saying like, okay, guys, let's go. Like we got this. The game's tied. It's not over. And good on him. It you know he he's a guy. He did have a bit of a rough patch at the beginning of of August, but aside from that, he had, I would say a pretty successful season and you hope that guys like him can maybe come back next year, uh, or at least make the team and be an impact player because even just things like that, little things like he got out of the jam, but he's saying like, yeah, okay, you, to be honest, you kind of screwed me over, but I'm not going to let that define the game. Like we're still going to move on and we're still going to go about things. But Again, like that was, I think that was also the game that Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th career home run. I think that was the first run that the Tigers scored. So I guess Miggy, uh, the baseball gods wanted to give Miggy a good, uh, good send off in that game. So maybe, maybe that one was out of, uh, out of the, uh, human beings hands. That was more of the baseball gods. But point is, is you, ho- you just, you hate to see things like this happen. Like the, 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 one of the better seasons of any Blue Jay player, was kind of capped off by this type of unfortunate situation. And again, this was one that you literally, like you make a good throw, you're still playing on, on the Monday or whatever the day, the day game 163 would have been. 
And at this point, like there's really no excuses for it. It's just one that you can look back and say it, it kind of sucked and it's, it's, that's how it is. But still, I don't think we can let that take away from how good of a season Simeon had. And you still hope that you, whether he's a blue Jay or, or whatever next season, you still hope that he can put up numbers as good as he did because it was still fantastic and, and amazing to watch. Yeah, Simeon's also like one of the main reasons why the Jays got to where they were. I mean, how good they were and how good you know they, their run was. I mean, his war, Mark, again, shout out to you for predicting it, led the team in war 7.1. So that's why, like, this isn't my number one, and it, it, it isn't. And I think I agree with you, Mark, on maybe Springer uh, being number one, but probably for me, my number ones are one of the Chatwood meltdowns. I mean, I, I got to go with that just because the amount of times he's in this list. I mean, the... The amount of times he's reoccurred in this list gives me the reason for that to be higher than all of this. And in terms of the Simeon one as well, you just, I feel bad like blaming, I, I just feel bad blaming him for this because I know all the times he won a game for the Jays or helped it. Like we know the walk-off wins, um, first of all, that Oakland game, obviously the comeback, we, just, we spoke about the walk-off, um, the Red Sox doubleheader, we spoke about that as well. The amount of plays he's made to help this team win. That's why I don't really, like I understand why you would, some people would call this the number one just because of how close, you know, the throw to second to first was for them to win the game and kind of potentially be in a tiebreaker or whatnot if they actually win this game. But I also look at it from the amount of times he helped the Jays win, and that's why I don't really, you know, blame him too much or I don't really have this as one of my top moments. It's definitely up there for sure just because of how close it was, like I mentioned. But I just look at the war he had, the season he had, and the amount of times that he helped the Jays win games. And it, it's like it almost cancels out for me, but I still feel like he won more games than lost. And that's why, you know, this error against the Tigers, obviously, for sure, is up there for people. But for me, it's definitely not my number one. And it's definitely uh, some other things where, you know, it was the bullpen or what, or, you know, kind of, uh, a couple other things that would have probably, you know, been ahead of this for me. But it just, it just feels bad talking about it as well because of, you know, the person Simeon is and the importance he was to the clubhouse and, you know, to top things off, what I've been mentioning, the amount of times that he's won games uh, for this team. So that's why I kind of feel bad talking about it um, in a way. But uh, you just hope that he could be back next year if you want to transition things to the offseason. And, um, you know, it's just weird because, yeah, like nine times out of ten or like nine and a half or like just 99% of the time he makes that throw, which is very weird. But it happened, and um, I guess that's where we are. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't blame Marcus Simeon for that moment like we said he won so many games for the Blue Jays and mistakes happen we've said it before like it's gonna happen at some point in the season it's just unfortunate that it came at such a crucial moment but we'll wrap the podcast up there it's been a fun time remarkably fun talking about the worst 10 moments of the season and again looking back and laughing at all the ones that we can laugh at and regretting the ones that really cost the Blue Jays but we'll wrap it up there thank you to everyone who listened to these episodes both this episode and our previous episode um and thanks to everyone who's tagged along through the postseason we're gonna have a couple more episodes before the offseason starts for the blue jays but until then as always you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on apple podcasts you can also find us on youtube um and if you watch our episodes on youtube you can find our podcast wherever you listen so until next time, until next week, we'll catch you later.